Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Today's scripture is coming out of Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 37. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hey, good morning. Will you thank our worship team and Emily and Katie for bringing worship? And of course, Dave Beatty. I stand up here and I say I get the privilege to be pastor here. And I know for many of you, he's been, as he's been to me, pastor as well. And so thank you, Dave, as well, for, for leading us in communion. Well, uh, yes. Well, I... Um, where to begin? I forgot to do the sound check, guys. So while they're getting the levels straight, I know you were asking for prayer for the youth earlier as they're out in California. So I'm just going to piggyback. You could pray for us too. And I'm going to say this because our 15-year-old daughter is actually on that youth trip. She just got her permit. So I need your prayers because my prayer life's actually incredible right now. But um, we, we just got lane positioning down. Um, she, she thought it was Pac-Man before where you, you try to eat the dots. And it, she, she would just be right in the middle of the road. She is going to be so not happy with me when she, when she watches this. But anyway, so just, you know, you can pray for, for us as well. So anyway, well, thank you for being here. If it's your first time, whether you're joining us in person or online, we appreciate you spending a Sunday morning with us. And we took a break last week on Memorial Day weekend just to address what went on in Texas uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, what God, God's Word has to say about that, and what our hope is, even in the midst of all that. You know, with all the legislation and the protesting and everything that happens after an event like that, um, as followers of Christ, we cling to Him as the reason for the great hope that we have. And so we came back to that last week. But we're going to continue through Mark, as Katie read this morning, and we've come to this passage that is... Um, as I started reading through it, I went, oh my goodness, there's the feeding of the 5,000, and we're going to get to that, but not today. Because at the very beginning of that account, I believe this passage just, it so jumped out. And the reason it jumped out is because I think it speaks to each and every single one of us where we're at in terms of our rhythms in life. You know, as I, as I was reading it, I thought back to this this trip that my wife and I took a few years ago, we flew, I had preached on Sunday morning, and then we flew down to Florida. We had scheduled a cruise to go on. And so I got done preaching, and immediately I went, okay, it's time for a break. It's time to rest. You know, we're going to get out of Colorado and just, just go enjoy with my bride. And so 
I was looking at the schedule from when the plane was supposed to land in Orlando to, you know, where the cruise ships dock. It's about an hour away. And, and they, they shut the gates. I mean, once they shut the gates, you're not getting on. And so I, I did the math and realized, okay, we'll have about a two-and-a-half-hour window from when we land to when those gates close. And I was not comfortable with that gap, but I was like, why? Well, I'm preaching that morning, and so this is the soonest we could get there. So we got there, we, we get on the plane at DIA, and um, one of the flight attendants gets on the loudspeaker, and she said, um, we're having a delay. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Like, I, I'm in rest mode right now. This can't be happening, okay? And it kept going, and it kept going, and about 45 minutes later, they said, okay, we're ready to be getting in the air. And what was I doing during that 45 minutes? It's praying. It's praying, Lord. You know, this is what you do, like we referenced last week. When the field goal kicker is lined up and it's two seconds left in the game, what are you doing? You're praying. If, if you're not, you're lying right now, okay? We're all praying for that moment. So I'm thinking, Lord, I don't care about anybody else. Just get us there, okay? And so we got there, and uh, we landed in what I figured out was going to be plenty of time because toward the end of the flight, the pilot said, Usually they're, they're in control and they know exactly what happened. This pilot must have been new because he was like, well, I don't know what just happened to everybody, but we made it on time. And I went, it's prayer is what it was. That's that God took that plane and just, you know, we went light speed at some point. So we land and I uh, just got an Uber and got in the car and I'm sitting there and I'm at rest and everything's calm. And then that thing happened that maybe you've had happen before it's it's that little voice talk to him and in my head I was like I'm not doing it Lord I'm on break right now I am resting okay talk to him you've ever tried to tell God no it just so you know it doesn't work if you try it he's gonna have his way but anyway so I started asking this this guy how long he's been driving for Uber and um and he talked about a job that he lost and and then he talked about a cancer diagnosis and how this was an extra job to help cover some bills. And I went, oh, you know, I'm just, just listening and talking with him. And um, I can feel this conversation just getting deeper and deeper. And then, and then I'm, still, I'm still holding on to my rest mentality. And then he says this thing. He's like, well, and then there's, there's this thing that some friends and family and I are trying to get going. And I don't talk to a lot of people about it because a lot of people just don't understand, but we're trying to start a church. And I was like, you and I know exactly what you're doing right now, and I do not appreciate it, okay? And so this was just the mental dialogue with him. So we got talking about church. And as we got talking about church, and we got talking about a cancer diagnosis, it was really, really interesting to hear the ups and downs of this man's faith. And suddenly I'm thinking, oh my I was thinking rest, and yet here I am, like states and states and states away from the church that I get to be a pastor at, and what am I talking about? I'm talking about church. And it wasn't because I brought it up, it's because God brought it up. And as, I, as we got out of the car, and there was a hug exchanged, and tears in our eyes, because we had gotten to share quite a bit of just encouragement with one another. There, there was this lightness about it all. I went, my goodness, okay. It was still church, but there was something very light about it. 
And there's something in that that I always come back to, that that is the effect of rest. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because I don't believe we rest very well. Just going to be honest, you can be mad at me for saying that, but uh, that's just observation in my own life, let alone those around me. We just don't rest very well. And, and there's a tension that God actually set us up with. Because in Ecclesiastes 3.11, you know what it says? God set eternity in the hearts of humanity. God set eternity in the hearts of humanity. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. He put this limitless, infinite thing inside of us. And yet, what do we walk around with? This physical body. It's limited, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's finite. It's, it struggles, right? We have pain. We go through aches. We get sick. We struggle. And there's this tension. He's put this eternal thing inside this earthly body. Now, you know what sin did to us? Sin caused us to think that we just got to make that body work harder. And if you can just make that earthly body work harder, do a little more, achieve a little more, that you're going to somehow overcome and finally match up with that thing that he's put inside of us. Yet that's not what God prescribed when we feel our limits. You know what he prescribed? Rest. Rest. And see, we, we don't think that way. You know, we live in this age of energy drinks and longer hours and rest is optional and we glamorize those who can just keep working and keep working and keep working and this work ethic like crazy. But eventually you're going to fall short. We're just not, nobody in here is going to meet it. Nobody you know is going to meet it. The most conditioned athletes are going to break down eventually. And so there's this tension that we live with. And as I thought about that, I thought... Man, this is where, what I love about scripture, you can read a passage like Katie read just a little bit ago, and you think you're reading it, and you know what happens? You've heard this, it's reading you. And as I sat with this passage over over the last few weeks, I realized, oh my goodness, it's reading me. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to do something a little bit different. I want to give you a guide to rest. I'm not saying I'm the expert or anything like that, but these are some more applicational insights that I gleaned from this passage. And so to do that, whether you've got, I'm going to do a dangerous thing right now for a a preacher to do. I'm going to invite you to take out your phone, and I'm going to trust you with that, okay? Or you maybe got handed an index card when you walked in. Um, And if if you got one of those index cards and you've got a writing instrument, here's what I want you to put on there or put in your phone if you got like a notes app. Okay? These are those questions that we all learned when we were younger. I want you to write one of these words, give yourself a little space. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. I'll say it one more time. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. And what I want to do is I want to walk through not just this passage, but the context surrounding this passage, because I believe when you begin to look at it, what Jesus asked them to do really serves as a guide for you and I today, and for all time, for us to rest, and to rest the way Jesus intended it. Because when you rest the way Jesus intended it, something really, really incredible happens, and we'll see this as we walk through it, and even into next week. 
okay? So let's start with, we're also not going to go in order on those words. Those of you that just have to go in order, I'm going to drive you nuts this morning, okay? But we will start with this, what? What rest is, okay? One of those things that we've just got to get straight because what, what do we think rest is? Don't you associate it with a day off? All right, how many of you have a regular day off here, in here? Okay, or eventually you just think, oh, I just, I need a break. And we think of, of, of a when, and we'll get to the when. But we associate rest with the absence of activity, don't we? We think, oh, yeah, if I just get a weekend or something like that, that's, that's not rest. And, and I can prove that. How many of you have had weekend? You know what, don't raise your hand because you're probably going to feel uh, as guilty as me if I were to have to answer it. But how many of you have had a weekend that just left you more drained coming into Monday than going into it. Yeah, we've all had those, those weekends that there was an absence of work, maybe it was an absence of activity, and yet you came out of it with more baggage, didn't you? Yeah, there's just more burden to carry coming out of it. Rest is not the absence of activity. It could be part of it, but it is not the absence of activity. Let me, let me take you real quick to Matthew chapter 11. And, and many of you have heard this passage. It says this, Jesus talking, talking to people one day says, Come to me, all you who are weary, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Did you catch that? He bookended it there. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So you want to know what, what rest is? And, and I just want you to make a note here. Rest, rest <clears throat> isn't a what you disconnect from. It's a who that you connect to. Rest is not a what that you disconnect from. It's a who that you connect to. And that who is our Savior. Now, that should begin to change our mindset a little bit, shouldn't it? Because, see, when, when I look at rest as just like the presence or absence of activity, you know what I start doing? I start thinking about when I'm on the clock or not especially for Jesus. You know, the whole context of Mark 6 here is he's, he's going about ministry, but he's bringing disciples in on ministry. And so he says, in essence, listen, there's no retirement from this. You know, in our, especially our American culture, we think in terms of retirement. Jesus goes, no, <laughs> it keeps going. And we'll get, we'll get to that more in just a moment. But I want you to think like, how many of you remember Brett Favre, Green Bay Packers quarterback? How many times did that guy retire? It was 17, something like that. And every time he said he was retiring, I was like, no, you're not. You're coming back. You're coming back. Right? And Jesus says, no, come back. Come back into it. I want you to stay ministry-minded. You may have closed your career. You may have retired from the workforce. You do not retire from ministry as long as there's breath in your lungs. If you are a follower of Christ, there is no retirement. Yeah, aren't you glad you came this morning? All right, welcome to church. All right, next, who? We're going to jump to who. What is rest? It's not the absence of activity. It's a, it's a who that we connect to. Who needs rest? Who needs rest? The short answer, if you are a follower of Christ, you need rest. Because it is a spiritual, it's spiritual work. And the nature of spiritual work is that you take a rest. You know how I know? 
When God created the world, what did he do? He rested. As we've read through Mark and as you look through the Gospels, what do you see Jesus doing? He gets away. He gets away to solitary places. And he takes rest. He gets a break. Now, this is, as we just referenced, it transcends the different stages of life. You know, it's so easy to think, well, I'm so young. And yet we read in Scripture that God will ordain praise from the mouths of babies, won't he? And then you think about the age of the disciples when he called them. And it's thought that many of them were teenagers. You know what? That means you are engaged in spiritual work throughout your life. And then you look at the progression of those disciples. They continued doing spiritual work all through the years while having other professions. Paul, the tent maker. Yes, he had a trade, but he was also doing spiritual work all the way along. You get to Luke chapter 2. You know, Jesus, baby Jesus being presented at the temple. And I just love the story of Simeon. Here's a guy who has just been waiting and waiting and waiting. He's much closer to the end of his life than the beginning. And yet he was just waiting for the opportunity to see him and go, there he is. There he is. And then share with Mary out of what God had shown him in his heart. See, ministry never ends. But here's what we do. We tend to think, you may think like I thought before I ever worked at a church. I think that some people have ministry positions. You know, so we look for holy people and holy robes with holy books, and we go, they're, they're doing ministry. We'll just watch. No. No, the truth is, you, know, you want to know who needs rest? Is anybody who's engaged in ministry. Yes, some people do have ministry positions, but all people are positioned for ministry. And you got to know that or you'll begin to exclude yourself from those who need rest from spiritual work because there's something spiritual about rest. <clears throat> I came across this quote, and it was, it was anonymous, so I'm just going to take credit. It was said by Nathan Harrison, okay? Every character of great spiritual development in Scripture is marked by solitude. Wow. That means if you were to go back through the lives of those that you grew up, maybe you learned about them in Sunday school, or maybe you're hearing about them for the first time, you will find somewhere in their lives solitude, rest. It's an incredible thing. I came across a quote. Somebody said, you know, the devil doesn't take a day off, so why should I? I thought, oof. Well, whose, whose example are we following, though? You're not going to keep up with them. You need a savior. You need a savior. You know what that savior did? He would rest in his heavenly father. Let's move on. When? When rest is necessary. Now, I, I want you to just, we're, we're going to start to get into this passage now a little bit. If you were to think back through those passages that we covered before this one, and I forgot to mention this at the beginning. Um, some of you may be wondering, where's, where's Mark cha chapter 6, verses 14 through 29? Some weeks we are covering parts of Mark in, in the midweek email. And so if you want to subscribe to that and follow along, you can just go to our homepage and join our email list. And there's a, there's a little checkbox for notes from Nathan. And uh, I, will, I will also use that to get you into my Ponzi scheme, and it'll be great. So uh, no, it's just one email a week. No marketing, nothing like that. But if you want to follow along, you can. But as you go through Mark chapter 6, it's interesting. You have Jesus, he goes to Nazareth. Nazareth, who had already rejected him. 
and he tries to minister there, and he's rejected. And then in Mark 6, we see he sends out the disciples, and they have really some, some great success. And then we read the account, as I just mentioned, of, of one of those great ministers for Jesus, John the Baptist. And, and it's a really, it's a sobering account. He's beheaded in prison. And it's right there that this account picks up, what Katie read a little bit ago. And I, I want you to just pay attention to the context in which Jesus is calling his disciples to rest. Matthew chapter 14 actually adds a sentence that Mark doesn't have. He says this, When Jesus heard what had happened, that is John the Baptist being beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You want to know one of those life situations that when it shows up, you can just know you need rest? It's when you grieve. When you grieve, you need to rest. And then we, then we pick up where Mark picks up. The apostles, they've returned from their ministry where they've had all this success. The apostles, verse 30, gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. All they had done and taught. What did they teach? What did they do? We, we, we don't know. We can assume that it was lined up with what Jesus sent them out to do. And so you can imagine with the success they've had, they've come back excited. They want to report to Jesus all of this stuff. You want to know what else? You need spiritual rest. When you've been going about the very activity of God. When you've had a busy season of ministering. And then finally... You know, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't fall in either of those categories right now, so I don't know. This next sentence should probably do it. Then, verse 31, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Are you surrounded by people? Surrounded by people? Well, yes, right now. I mean, even right now you are. You need rest. See, when we need rest, if we were just to go off this, could really be defined in three ways. When you are carrying the weight of ministry, when you are feeling the weight of ministry, and when you're dealing with people who just can't wait, right? Which is everybody. It's everybody. Years ago, I got to see a chart of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, their, their sales and their profit margins, and it was quite something to look at over time. Because, you know, we now know Chick-fil-A is like one of the fast food industry leaders, right? It's so well known. They did exceptionally well during the pandemic. But you know what's so interesting to me is Chick-fil-A, who many of you know because you've had, you've probably, how many of you have had a Sunday where you think, I'm going to Chick-fil-A? Yeah, and then you're as mad as I am. And I needed my own sermon that morning. Anyway, so we got to settle for something other than Chick-fil-A. But Chick-fil-A has always had this policy. They're going to be closed on Sundays. They're going to be closed. And they've taken heat for that. But you want to know what's most impressive? I mean, they're one of the industry leaders now. But years ago, when I looked at a chart of their profit margins, you want to know what's most impressive about them being closed on Sundays? Is back when they weren't number one. When they were like number eight in the industry. And then when they were number five in the industry. And then when they were number three in the industry. Because how many of us, if you, if you see a list of rankings and you see number three, you think, oh, if we just work a little bit harder. If we just go a little bit more intensely, we can be number one. Right? And yet Chick-fil-A is held to this. 
over and over and over and over. They've just designated that Sunday, both as an organization and for their employees, they recognize God's design for rest. And it's part of their training when they bring on new employees. All right, moving on. We're moving into how. How do we go about rest? And this is where we're going to come back to Jesus' statement. And just the first part of it. Come with me by yourselves. Come with me by yourselves. There's so much in those few words. First of all, with Jesus. How many of us, if we're just being honest, how many of us, we schedule a vacation like I did, right? I'm just going to hit the off switch mentally and at the heart level, and I'm just going to stop. I'm going to shut everything off. And what we often do is we don't bring Jesus in on the rest. We hit the off switch on everything, including him. So he says, come with me. And then he says, by yourselves. See, there are some dangers that come up when you're with people all the time. And one of those dangers is the loss of identity, isn't it? We can just lose who we are. And we can just begin to fit the mold of everybody else. And so Jesus says, by yourselves. That has two implications for us. One, by yourself. Is there an individual time? Am I intentional about individual time with him? And then by yourselves. He took them as a group of disciples. Do we have some intentionality in our time with one another? Because how we go about rest is really going to determine something. And and here's what it is. It's going to determine whether we get a glimpse of who we are in his eyes or we try to be what we are in people's eyes. There's a major difference. You are going to pursue who you are in his eyes or what you are in people's eyes. There's a book called The 24-Hour Society. And in this book, the author talks about the... the, um, recent industrial just accidents that have been had. He talks about Three Mile Island. He talks about Chernobyl. He talks about the Exxon Valdez oil spill. He talks about the Challenger shuttle explosion. He said most of these accidents either happened at night or the warning sign came up at night. Challenger explosion, when they, when they interviewed engineers days later, they admitted they, in, in the couple of days before that launch, had been up for 20 hours straight. And what some of them said was, we began to feel the pressure. We began to feel the pressure of making this thing happen. A couple of them recognized, okay, there's a temperature thing here with some, one of the gaskets within the fuel tanks that this may not be safe. And yet, we do the same thing. Spiritual catastrophes can happen when we're not well-rested with Jesus. Next up, where. Where we get rest. Let's go through his statement. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. To a quiet place. Now, if you were to go across all the different translations of the Bible, it's really interesting the range of words that come up. And the range of words that comes up is really not all that inviting to want to go to. I mean, if you could describe any other place, if you could describe a birthday party like this, you wouldn't go. Listen to this. Quiet place. Another translation says a deserted place. Another place says a desolate place. A solitary place. Another translation says secluded place. 
a lonely place, a remote place, an isolated place. See, we don't, we're not drawn to those places, are we? No, that sounds like the worst place to go, doesn't it? Because we like action, and we like to see people, and we like to see smiling faces. You know what that describes? The wilderness. The desert. And the thing I think Jesus is holding up here that we have to remember is that it's in the desert places. Those are the very places that quench our thirst. You want to know why? Because it's there that we're free of all the stuff we think we need and we're in direct contact with the one that we need. Nothing to distract us. It is just him and us. And so the question is, what's that place? I mean, is a place coming to mind and maybe you just haven't been there in a while? Is there a place in the house at a time of the day that is more quiet than others? Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Find that place if you don't have one already. And finally, maybe this is where I should have started, but I believe this is the piece that we've got to really hone in on. Why we need rest. Why we need rest. And if the fact that an eternal peace is inside this earthly body isn't enough reason, then I believe the passage gives us enough reason. Let's read through it. Verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Okay, that's Jesus' posture toward them. Now listen to the disciples' posture toward them. Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. And then it's like they took the words out of our mouths, right? Send the people away. Have you had those days? Just send the people away. Send the children away. Send the parents away. Send the teammate away. Send the coaches away. Just send them away. And then they they look so altruistic here. They look so noble. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And I'm convinced Jesus said something that's just not in here. That's just like, you liars. You liars, you don't care that they go get something to eat. You just want this time. Okay, maybe I'm imposing that because that's how I would feel. But anyway, see, there, there are two dangers that we get when we don't get much rest, spiritual rest. One is irritation, right? You ever been in proximity with somebody just long enough? This is how we used to schedule youth trips, actually. I knew I had about a nine-day limit, had about a nine-day limit before the youth group was just going to see an explosion and the Incredible Hulk was going to just come out of nowhere, okay? And so we scheduled youth trips for 10 days. No, eight days. Eight days. Because I knew I, just, I was going to hit that point. But the other danger is not irritation. It's worldliness. We talked about that a little bit earlier. But if we don't get much spiritual rest, you know what we do? We acquiesce, and we begin to, to fit that def- definition of being of the world, not in the world, like Jesus says elsewhere. 
we begin to look a lot like the world around us. Keeps going. Let me, let me, let me read verse 33 and 34 again, because I want, that's, that's how we get. But pay attention again to Jesus' posture toward the people. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. In other words, this wasn't an interruption. These were people in front of God himself, and he says, I have compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And so the disciples, they, they raised their objection. And what does Jesus reply? Verse 37. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Okay, what? Like, Jesus, we just got here and we we're just going to rest. And, and we're just trying to get these people out of our sight. And he's like, no, you give them something to eat. Isn't that so interesting? I mean, they had all this success in ministry. Earlier in Mark chapter 6, they're so excited to tell Jesus. And now, send the people away. And he goes, no. No, you have something they need. You have something that not just they're, they're physically hungry for, that they are spiritually hungry for, and it's right in front of your face, and you're about to miss it. See, the context, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, is ministry. It doesn't matter if you have a ministry job or not, you know, formally. The context is ministry and mission. You want to know why you need rest? Because of this. When you get and when you set time apart with him, you won't fall apart with them. If you will set time apart with him and get time apart with him, you won't fall apart with them. And you got to remember that. That's why we have to come back to rest. You know, sometimes you get like contemporary examples of this. But maybe one of my most, just my favorite stories in scripture is actually out of the life of the prophet Elijah. You know, you may remember Elijah comes up against all these prophets, these pagan prophets, and and he has this incredible victory where he wouldn't have had the victory if God didn't intervene and and do what he did. And on the heels of this victory, the king, King Ahab, his his wife Jezebel, gets word of, of the prophet of God's victory, of Elijah's victory. And it says she begins basically breathing out murderous threats. She says, I'm gonna, I'm going after him. Well, Elijah gets word of it. And on the heels of a victory of God, you know what he does? He runs. And he runs and he runs and he runs. He runs for three days. And then it says, and then he sat down under a tree. He just sat down by a bush. And he was exhausted. And he said, I'm paraphrasing. He basically said, take me, Lord. I can't do this. For three days. Elijah ran on fear, and at the end of it, you know where it left him? Lord, I can't do it. I don't want to do it anymore. And we read in the account that an angel shows up. Now, I have a theory who this angel was because of what the passage says. It says that the angel showed up, and he woke up and fed him 
like baked him something. And I think this angel might have been like Mar- Martha Stewart or Betty Crocker or something like that, but, um, or maybe just the angel of the Lord. Let's go with that. Please, uh, we'll edit that out of the sermon recording. But anyway, and then right when you think what you would do, okay, I ate, I'm ready to go. You know what he did? He laid down and he slept some more. Got back up, ate a little bit more. And right when we think, oh, then he charged out of there. No, he laid back down and rested. And here's the cool part. When he got up from that rest, we read that he ran 40 days to the mountain of God. Running on fear, drained him in three days. Running on rest, 40 days, and he shows up at the mountain of God, totally ready to listen. Completely ready to listen to what God had for him. That's what rest does. That's why it's got to be more than just like, oh yeah, I take Saturdays and, and that's a great start. But there is, a, there is a who, what, when, where, why, and how to all of it that Jesus invites us into. And when you do it, you know what happens? This is, I think, the great big takeaway of this chapter and ministry for them and for us. When you do that, the rest goes with you. Rest goes with you, and it's no longer about an absence or presence of activity. Jesus is our rest in the middle of all that we're doing, whether there's activity or not. And when you get that, as the worship team comes back up, when you get that, you know what happens? Wednesday becomes like a Sunday of worship. Wednesday becomes like a Sunday. And the places we go become places of worship. And even a ride in an Uber in Florida can become a sanctuary if we've rested in him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is just one small word, rest, that we so think with our human brains that we've wrapped our minds around and we've gotten it figured out. And yet, Lord, if we were to pay attention to your life, there is so much to it. That if we would learn to rest in you, we would go forth in ministry with rest in our souls. So Lord, help us see. Yes, there are days and there are places and there are times that are important to intentionally set aside that rest with you. But Lord, you had something bigger in mind. It's because you wanted to rest our souls. So as we go about your work, as we minister and go on mission in your name, that Lord, we would be in perfect peace as we go about it and that those in front of us well they'd hear they'd hear your gospel they'd hear your good news and our eyes would be open enough and we'd be alert and aware enough to spot the opportunity lord i pray that for every single person in here every single person watching we pray all this in jesus name amen